Do you like aliens, UFOs, cryptids, and the supernatural? What about self-defecating humor? Uh, actually, it's self-deprecating humor. Well, you may both be right. Alien Theorist Theorizing is a comedy podcast that examines cases like Roswell, Bigfoot, or the Atacama Alien. If any of these topics pique your interest, subscribe to Alien Theorist Theorizing free anywhere you find podcasts or go to alientheorists.com. Hey everybody, it's Joe Trippy, and welcome back to that Trippy Show. Look, what we're recording today, the last January 6th hearing is wrapping up because plenty of others will be reacting to the hearings and I'm sure we will too on Twitter and on future shows. We're going to stick today to the latest campaign updates and giving you our take on the final weeks, the midterm elections. Fact is, we're 26 days away from election day and people are already casting their votes we're going to keep focused on that. This, the hearings evident, you know, will have some impact on that, but we'll talk about that next week. Alex, where do you want to start today? Well, Joe, it, it, let's go to something you and I were talking about this morning when we were prepping for this. It, this might be the most important poll of the week, and, and I want you to explain to our listeners why. But there's a new Quinnipiac poll out of Georgia, I think came out yesterday when we were recording this. And it, I know the whole cycle, we've been saying, don't pay attention to one specific poll. You know, the head-to-heads don't matter as much, but what from this poll really stood out to you and made you want to talk about it right now? Uh, it's pretty important because there haven't been a whole lot of polls that have had Warnock above 50, and this one shows him at 52. Now, they, they did have him over 50, I think, uh, in their September poll, but, you know, what's significant in the closing days of a campaign, we've talked about this, it's it isn't the head-to-head. It's not the difference between the two of them. It's where are they? Like, you know, for instance, Warnock could be ahead by seven points, but if he's at 42 and Herschel Walker is like at uh, 35, that would tell me, oh, man, there's something really not too good going on for the incumbent. As I've said, undecideds almost always uh tend to break against the incumbent. They've already made a decision that they're looking for somebody else. That's why they're undecided, even though the guy's been their senator. So um, one, that's the first significant thing is that you have Warnock above 50, which by the way, is really important in Georgia because if if this does turn out with other the third party in the race, you could get into a situation where Warnock wins with 49% of the vote. In fact, we saw this last time. Uh, it worked the other way. The Republicans actually won that first round. Then it goes to a runoff. You have to get over 50% in, in Georgia to win the election. So there would actually uh, uh, be a, a, a runoff if uh, Warnock doesn't get above 50. Uh, so that's significant. But the, the real significant thing about the Quinnipiac poll that just came out, first of all, it, it does show a seven-point lead, 52-45. Warnock over Herschel Walker. What's really significant about it, it's the first poll we've seen since allegations of Herschel Walker paying for abortion with receipts and him denying it and the entire Republican Party doubling down. And, you know, Rick Scott and uh, Senator Tom's, Tom Cotton going down and campaigning with him for him. All that's gone on, and we haven't had, an, you know, the big question is, did it have an impact? And it seems 
I think at least this is in this first poll shows that, yes, it has. I mean, that there, that, you know, you've got Warnock going over 50 and yeah, Herschel Walker is still in it. He is down by uh, seven points. It's 42, uh, 52, 45, but there is a, a, and it's pretty significant. That's a big range. That's outside the margin of error. It's outside the margin of error. All this stuff happening. The key pieces of the poll Independents are now for Warnock fifty-five to forty. That's huge, and that's a pretty sizable group in in Georgia. And the the, the same poll does. There's some, some caution here because the same poll shows Kemp at fifty and Abrams at forty-nine. That's a lot closer than any other poll has shown that race. You know, so you do what have to look mean? at does yeah did they oversample Democrats? I mean, we have to look a little deeper. But I still think the margin and Warnock being, you know, above 50 is pretty important. And Kurtz Quinnipiac, you know, is covering itself here with, quote, with, with time running out to get to the metaphorical goal line of November 8th. And despite repeated penalty flags flying at his honesty and integrity, Herschel Walker is down by seven in the fourth quarter and still has a shot against incumbent Raphael Warnock in Georgia's Senate race. So. Yeah, he does still have a shot, which is the thing we we keep saying: run through the tape, everybody, keep knocking the doors, send Warnock some help if you can. But I think it was pretty significant this first poll. Let's see if. And the other thing is, lays a marker. What are the next? What are the next polls in Georgia show here? Is you know because we're going to have several of them in these closing weeks. Do they confirm this, or do they conf- make it clear that this could be an outlier? Uh, right now, again, being the first thing we've seen post the. The scandal and Herschel Walker's denials. It, it, you know, we're going to keep an eye on this one, but I think it's good news. Well, I, I want to get a little more into the poll. And uh, there's uh, some questions on Twitter. Essentially, yeah, obviously, Democrats are still trying to make abortion a key issue. We'll get into that nationally in a little bit. But would a scandal like this, I mean, did it, did the effect it really have not just kind of have this hit on his integrity, but it did it kind of bring back abortion, just the whole debate on it to kind of the front of people's minds? Well, look, when you look deeper into the poll and look under, you know, look under the numbers a little bit, you know, down and beyond what we said, don't pay total attention to the head to head here, right? There's other things going on uh, and they're more significant, I think, but they confirm the head to head. I mean, that's what you're sort of looking for. So Warnock's favorable is now 50, 44, 50 favorable, 44 unfavorable, 54, to 40% say he's honest, 54-40. 57-38 say he has good leadership skills, but 57-39% say he cares about average Georgians. Now here's where, let's go look at the comparative there. On Herschel Walker, his favorable's 39, favorable 55, unfavorable. So you've got Warnock 50-44, Walker 39-55 now, there's, I mean, look, you know, there, you don't have to look at the head-to-head numbers. You know, there, you, you don't even, maybe they did oversample some Democrats here, okay? I, I understand that. But you see those two numbers alone, you, you know, Herschel Walker's in a world of hurt. 57 to 37% say he's not honest. <laughs> the exact, I mean, even, I, I mean, it's like way off the charts compared to the, the positive of Warnock on honesty. 5833 say he does not have good leadership skills. Shocking. Yeah. 
shocking. 50% to 46, say doesn't care about average Georgians. Yeah, now that one's close, okay? I mean, there's, I guess, you know, they got to find the people that are going to vote for them. That, remember, by the way, that's the other thing you want to look for. Where, you know, remember in the head-to-head, he's at 45, okay? 45. His favorable's 39. So there's 6%. The people who think he's honest, 37. The people who think he's good leader, 33. The only one that is like anywhere near his vote is the 46% who says he, he cares about average Georgians. So what you're looking for is that kind of confirming these underlying numbers that confirm the vote. So you go back to Warnock, who is at 52, and he's got 54% say he's He's honest. 57% of the state says he's got good leadership. 57% say he cares about them. You know, his, his favorable, yes, is 50, not 52. But all those numbers pretty much line up with his vote. Walker, all his numbers are lower than his vote, which does seem to, again, where the undecided, do they, do they vote? Do they stay home? Do all, if you ask me, Who's got votes that could leave them? Well, when you've got a vote of 45 and only 37% think you're honest, those votes could leave you, right? And that's what I'm trying to say. So you, you kind of look under the hood and you, when you read this stuff right now, I'm feeling pretty damn good as long as the Warnock campaign and all of us keep, you know, keep running through that tape, pushing through, making the phone calls, doing all that. But Herschel Walker is definitely in a world of hurt. Well, it, it- we touched on this before a little bit, and I think this gets to a larger point about what, what Republicans are doing, but showing that he's probably got 45% locked in. I mean, it, it would shock me. I think it'd probably shock you too if Walker fell below 45 in the final results or even, even didn't go a little bit beyond that. I mean, despite every, a lot of those people thinking he's dishonest, a lot of those people think he doesn't care about him, but because he's got that R by his name and Trump's for him, he ain't falling below 45, basically, no matter what. And so this gets to kind of my, my larger point. What does it say, both that kind of that he's able to pull those kind of numbers? And by the way, that Republicans, like you mentioned, are, are still doubling down on him. We talked about it a little bit before, but I mean, that pretty clearly shows what's going to happen in 2024, right? Well, I think, look, first of all, I, I think this isn't just hurting them in Georgia. Uh, I mean, we'll get, I'll get to your question in a second. But look, I think the fact that they, that, you know, McConnell, Tim Scott, Tom Cotton, two of them went down and campaigned for him. Uh, McConnell's like saying, like, we're going to we're sticking with him, doubling down, spending a ton of money to, to defend him. All, by the way, saying they don't believe the lies, you know, that he he paid for an abortion. They don't believe it's all lies. I think, you know, look, this this isn't just happening in in Georgia. I mean, the coverage is writ large. And I think. It just, again, is showing how extreme, how, how you, even they will defend even Herschel Walker, no matter what he does, you know, and I think that's hurting. That's, that can hurt them in some of these other races, particularly because this is about, uh, you know, raising sort of the abortion issue um, at a time, frankly, when the, the Republicans, you know, want to de- desperately move it and keep it on, on their, you know, all the crime ads that they're running. And every other scare tactic, and and, and playing on infl- inflation and other worries that people have. So, Joe, this 
mostly moving on from Georgia, but obviously there, there has been lately kind of a, a media narrative that abortion starting to fade. Voters are paying more attention, like you said, on things like inflation, but it's not really the case everywhere. Are, are you, how do you feel about that? Where are you looking where, where it still could really matter? Well, it, look, I, I think it's all about, you know, midterms are always about motivation and turnout. People are going to turn out different people, well, groups of turnout for different reasons. I mean, a woman uh, might, also there's a thing called cross pressure. You look, you know, that, that is probably going to decide this whole thing. You know, I'm sure there are plenty of women uh, out there, for instance, who are upset with inflation. They're just as upset when they go to the gas station and they look at the, uh, even though it's been going down, you know, it's may trickle up uh, that fear. Uh, they see that, uh, you know, that basically what they're paying for gas at the end of when they put the pump back into the in and look at the, the what it how much they owe to have to pay. They're they're upset about all that. They're also, wait a minute, the I got to do something to make sure that I have, you know, the kind of rights of health care to make decisions about my own body and to, you know, to keep the the government out of deciding whether I have contraceptives, can't have contraceptives or not, all those kinds of things. That 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 woman is cross pressured. She may have said inflation is her biggest concern, and so, it, but that doesn't mean that that's how she's going to vote. That's what what I what I'm saying here is it's clear to me that we have you know a lot of cross pressured voters who yes may not be happy with Joe Biden, for instance. But when they look at Herschel Walker and go, but I can't vote for that, you know, that crazy nominee that they put up. Um, right. And that's the cross pressure. Well, Joe Biden's not on not on the ballot. Herschel Walker is. And so now it starts to be where the cross pressure. I think what's happening is the cross pressure is it is because the you know Biden's not on the ballot and the other person that's causing the cross pressure is a Republican nominee who actually is on the ballot whether it's it's Herschel Walker or any of the 299 yeah, yeah. any of the 299 mega crazy uh, election deniers i think they could, yeah you could get a whole bunch of people saying look you know i'll take care of joe biden in 2024 I mean, getting back to your 2024 question, you know, I, I'll tell you, but man, I can't vote for this, this, this asshole. Um, so it, it's going to be, I think that's going to make this a very unpredictable, which way those, because a lot of, I think it was 538, um, maybe it was Nate Silver, I can't remember, who said, look, a lot of times when you get all these toss-up races, they all tend to break one way or the other. They don't, they don't just splatter. They, they, they all move in one direction. Um, that's true. They usually do. And I think that's going to be the issues. Which way does that cross pressure break? And if it, if it breaks, a, a, you know, sort of becomes the referendum on Joe Biden, then bam, that could be, you know, big trouble. Doesn't, I don't see any signs of that yet, but yes. Or does it break? And I think again, the Herschel Walker stuff, anything that sort of magnifies that there's something not right with this crazy MAGA cult party right now. And that there's, you know, 299 of them. 
something else that comes out in the hearings, anything that, that like is pushing on that. Inflation's here. It's 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 there. It's it, it's you know whether it's mitigating or not. It's been been here. It's I know it's rough on people, but if if that alone, uh, I mean that and where Biden's numbers are again, I keep saying this would indicate there there'd be no way that any of these Democrats should be anywhere in these toss up places should be anywhere near in the hunt. So the fact that they're not only in the hunt but in several cases ahead, uh, just continues to tell me that that cross pressure uh, against the crazy is what's winning out. And, you know, that's that's the, our hope for for how we we get through. The, they had to, I've said this all along. They had to keep doing the crazy and they had have. And Herschel Walker is kind of like the poster child. What I, I guess uh, McConnell would call poor candidate quality. So let's move from the Senate to the House. And this is a question we've gotten in multiple forms every week. And I think, Joe, we're probably going to just make it a regular thing for the, the rest of this cycle. You've been saying Dems probably hold, maybe even gain the Senate, and, and we really could hold the House. Do you think that's still possible with everything you're seeing today? Sure. Uh, look, I mean, I've always said, I mean, first of all, I still believe that we're going to, you know, uh, gain a seat, maybe two in the Senate possible. Uh, but I definitely think we'll hold the Senate. I think we'll make some gain there. The House is, look, I've said all along, our chances of holding it are far better than what, you know, you've been reading all year long. I mean, when they started off, we were going to lose 60 seats like Obama did in 2063 and 2010, you know, 40 to 60. You've seen over and over again, all the, you know, the Cook Report, 538, you know, Fox uh, lower their projections on how big the loss was going to be. And I still think most of them are congregating somewhere around 20 seats that the Democrats will lose. I don't think it'll be that big at all. And so, you know, if you ask me again, when I say, do we still have a chance to, to hold house? Yes, we do. If we do, everybody, so you're all clear on this, we're going to maybe hold the house by, you know, two, three seats. It'll be by, you know, you can count them on one hand, how many seats we hold the House by. I mean, it is an uphill he'll fight, but historically, that would be a, a big, big win to, to hold it by even, uh, you know, a handful or less. The reality, though, I think on the other side is I don't see us losing the House by more than 10. So now, that's a little solace for all of us because, you know, hey, there's a big difference between holding it by four and losing it by, by nine, right? Uh, I mean, a, a huge difference in what that means. But I honestly believe that's the window we're in, which only more points to run through the tape, knock on the doors, get out there, do everything you can. There's 27 election deniers in toss-up house seats, in the 32 or so toss-up house seats, 27 of them are election deniers. So there's arguments there. I mean, aside from all the other crazy things they're probably for. So th that's what I'm saying. You know, I want to keep reiterating with people that it just because there's a shot at holding the house, and there is, and I've been one of the big you know proponents of you know getting that message out, making it clear that I thought people were, you know, that 
it shouldn't listen to what the what what everybody was saying early on about how big a wipeout it was going to be. I never thought this was going to be a referendum on uh, a normal midterm referendum. Uh, hell, we haven't had a normal election in six years. And so I didn't see any reason this one was. I think it was going to be a choice election. But listen, you, you know, the numbers say we can hold the House, you know, uh, I think. And I think more and more people are coming to that conclusion. Didn't Nate Cohen, Nate Cohen say that, uh, that it was possible that we would? Yes. Just recently, the morning console newest generic ballot has Democrats leading by three forty eight forty five. The Fox and Economist models still have they still show Dems could hold the House and Biden. Uh, Biden's approval continues to come up. CNN had him at, at his highest. Uh, uh, it's been in a year uh, in their poll that came out, I think, you know, yesterday, today, today this, morning, yeah. this morning. Yeah. So, you know. You, you, you look at all that and Biden's not as underwater as he was when they were saying we're going to get wiped out by 63, <laughs> you know, we'll lose 63 seats. He's a lot better than that right now in his approval ratings. Uh, uh, and also remember, congressional Republicans approval is, is way worse than Biden's. It, you know, Biden's underwater by 13. They're underwater by 21 points. And, and especially with independence, Biden's he's underwater by 44 percent. Boy, 44 points. It's pretty, you're all way underwater with independents when they're, but House Republicans are underwater by 51 points. Right. So, you know, I just, there's, this is, that's what I'm saying. There's, there is a party on the other side of all the fear mongering that they're, that, that's why they have to raise the fear because it's the only way to scare enough people into looking past how crazy they are. And the threat they really are. And so it's, you know, like I said, so far we're in it in a lot of places. They still got a lot of crazies in the 32 toss-up house seats. I think that, um, you know, for what we're going through as a nation, the biggest disruption in people's lives ever, I think, you know, among those who are alive right now, uh, the last few years with COVID, uh, with with uh, uh, what's happening in Ukraine, yes, the inflation, you know, the supply chain issues, everything that's going on, uh, uh, and not to mention the the you know a, a, an insurrection uh, attempt failed coup, all that stuff that's been going on. As bad as those things are, and how almost always the incumbent president and party take the blame for all of that, when most of it had you know like you know COVID, not sure. Any, but you know, we right. blame whoever you want to blame. It, it, you know, it's it, the, 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 normally if you had all that and everybody was blaming and there was no real choice, it'd be a wipeout. That's not happening. It is a choice. And frankly, right now, the Republicans could lose that choice because they're so damn crazy and such a threat. So I want to get to one last thing. We have time for really one more reader question. And this kind of gets to that choice. In your view as a campaign manager historically, and this is from Jake from Ohio, how much do debates really matter at this point? And campaigns really do anything with something that happened from a debate with 26 days left? Uh, you know, no, debates can matter a lot. I mean, they, both things are, are true, right? That, that a debate, you know, happened, it's a tree falling in the woods, no one paid attention, nothing happened, and it didn't change anything. but. Often in most 
times a, that a debate really moves things, it's a moment. It's, you know, it's Ronald Reagan. Sorry, folks, I'm aging myself for a lot of you listeners, but uh, he's, he famously in the middle of the debate, you know, or, so he paid for that microphone um, and sort of took charge uh, when they were trying to turn the mic off on, on, on uh, maybe it was Bush. I don't remember that part. Um, so maybe my age is showing up. But my point is there, you know, there are real moments that if that's the moment that strikes that everybody gets, that everybody hears, that everybody sees, and it has some oomph to it and it moves. I mean, you know, like go, you know, I guess in today's world goes viral, et cetera, and everybody's talking about it. Yeah, it can have a big impact. And that's where I think, you know, Tim Ryan won that that debate because I think the thing everybody got from that debate is Ohio needs an ass kicker, not an ass kisser. That's what I mean. It just frames the whole thing right there. And I almost like forget every other thing that Ryan said or did or that Vance said or did, because has, however good they were, that's the thing everybody's re- going to remember, that Ohio needs an ass kicker, not an ass kisser. Guess who the ass kicker is? Guess who the ass kisser is? And you got, you know, J.D. Vance, the Pillsbury Doughboy, standing up there all soft and Silicon Valley-like. I just don't think, I think that's how uh, Tim uh, won that debate. Now, the, the bigger issue is, it's Ohio. It's the same thing. It's like, it's so uphill to win in Ohio. It's not a, it's not a purple state. It's not North Carolina's more blue than Ohio. And so we've got, I think, Tim Ryan's running a great campaign. I think he, he outclassed J.D. Vance in that debate. Uh, there's another one, 26 days left to go. Keep fighting. Uh, uh, Tim Ryan certainly is. And if you're in Ohio, go knock on doors, do the phone calls, help any way you can. If you're not there, send money or, or help in any way you can. But yeah, you can win that kind of debate you can keep this race close in the end it's going to be who turns out their vote in ohio and where does that cross pressure play out how does it play out in in ohio and um and i do agree with what, what nate silver and others have said about generally that when things break at the end they go one way or the other they don't it's not like well, in undecideds in one place broke one way and undecideds in another place, or, you know, the, the whole structure of the race suddenly splintered in a bunch of different directions. I don't think that it's either going to be, no, we'll take MAGA over these guys, or I don't, you know, look, I, I'll date these guys for, for a, a cycle or two because there's no way I'm going to, I just can't go with the Herschel Walker and other MAGA crazies on my ballot. I'm still, I'm still like our chances uh, that the cross pressure works to, to to our advantage, despite all the real concerns and hurt that people are going through. I think in the end, that cross pressure, you keep seeing signs in the data, like I we went through in that Georgia stuff, poll, that um, you know, that in the end, I I think it could break our way, and if it does, yeah, then we do keep the house. Well, Joe, I think that's as good a place to end as any today. We're just about out of time. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, everyone, for listening to that trippy show. We'll be back next week with another Tuesday deep dive and on Friday with our usual show. 
Make sure you check out our Michigan show with Jeff and Amy, Jeff Timmer and Amy Chapman. Um, they, I think, uh, really walk people through what's going on in Michigan to the, the best political minds uh, up there who really, who I, there are go-to people and we, when, when Alex and I want to know what the hell is happening there. So uh, you should listen to that one. Please subscribe to That Trippy Show and leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen. You can always send us a question to thattrippyshow at gmail.com or leave us a question and a review on iTunes. Thanks, Alex, and see you all next week. <laughs>